The Stolen Maniple Podcast is a production of St. Augustine of Canterbury Church, a Roman Catholic community of the personal ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter, serving San Diego County, California. This episode features Father Samuel Keyes. Here we are again in that dreary November emphasis on the last things. For so much of Catholic history, if you said the last things or eschatology, the mind would go straight to the four last things, right? Death, judgment, heaven, hell. Though in the last century, a combination of biblical and theological scholarship has, has pushed us to think a little more broadly about some thinkers, what some people would call uh, the realized eschatology of Jesus, the breaking in of the kingdom of God in the here and now. Somebody really does not like eschatology. Um, that's okay. Um, now, I don't think that's a bad thing to think and talk about, especially if we find ourselves reducing the Catholic faith to a game of cosmic account books and speculation about our chances of a swift time in purgatory. But another aspect of this shift is simply that, that we avoid talking about something that we'd rather not talk about in the first place. That's not the full story, though. Uh, not unlike our attitude towards death, uh, which I spoke about last week, we, we avoid the topic partly by trivializing it. We don't actually mind hearing people speak about the end of the world, providing, provided that they are you know, in an action movie uh, or standing on a bucket on some urban street corner where no one takes them seriously. Uh, or if they're a politician reminding us that every election is set to be the end of the world. Um, the American two-party system at least seems to just thrive on this idea of ever-impending apocalypse. We live in an age of near constant and universal anxiety. In a, in, in a way, the, the trivialization and uh, Hollywoodification of the end of the world is our way of avoiding the possibility that the world might actually end. You know, whenever some big catastrophe happens, you can be sure that someone will start talking about the end times. Both Catholics and Protestants do it. The difference, at least in my experience, mainly seems to be that Protestants start then trying to kind of chart out the apocalypse according to Daniel and Revelation, while Catholics try to chart it out based on various private Marian apparitions. But what Christians today often forget is that the church has been talking about the end times since AD 33, when humanity crucified the Son of God. Jesus' death and resurrection was the beginning of the end, the sudden unveiling of God's final purposes for his creation. Things got serious again not that long after, in AD 70, when the temple at Jerusalem was destroyed, just as Jesus here in Luke says that it will be. That was, for the Jews, the, the navel of the universe. This is the place where God could reliably be found, all just gone. And the fact that the Jewish Christians were able to make sense of this in light of Jesus, to see that he was the true temple, that didn't remove the trauma of the event itself. From a biblical point of view, we have been living in the end times for the last 2,000 years. There are really two points that I want to share with you today concerning the end times. First, the drama is real. The last things are real. Death, judgment, heaven, hell. Sin and evil are real. There are 
in fact, worse problems in the world, deeper and more substantial problems than the fact that your brother looked at you the wrong way or that your job is boring or that traffic is robbing you of valuable hours that you'll never get back. Most people in the world understand that because most people in the world have to face sin and evil every day in the form of suffering, of poverty, of hunger, of violence, of simple lack of meaning. Years ago, when I was spending a lot of time with uh, kids in a certain East Coast inner city neighborhood, I, you know, I noticed, I mean, this is not, I'm not the only one to point this out, but none of them had any problem accepting Christian teaching about sin and evil. Why? Because they saw it every day in their mothers who did drugs, their brothers who went to prison, their fathers who may or may not be around, their friends who got killed. And this is just scratching the surface. Evil is real, and it is much more incoherent and villainous and monstrous than we could possibly imagine. It is not the sort of thing that can be solved if everybody just works a little harder, much less if everybody votes the way the party wants you to vote. It is not the sort of thing that can be solved by ever-increasing scientific knowledge. It is not the sort of thing that can be safely relegated to something over there in far parts of the world and that is partly because this evil runs right through the middle of every single one of us. We live in the end times. There's nothing new about this. We killed our God. Anything can happen. We should not be surprised. The drama is real, but so is the salvation. And this is my second point. Evil is real, but so is good. In fact, the good is more real in Christian teaching because evil, evil is always destructive, uh, always negative, corrupting. The, the good builds, grows, nurtures, comforts, enhances, heals. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that evil does not triumph, cannot triumph. And so we do not have to fear. We can look in the face of evil as so many Christian martyrs have done over the centuries and do even today, and persevere in loving the good. This is a hard thing to say and do. You know, like, like so many parents, when I look at the horrible things happening in the world, I wonder what kind of future my children will have. I wonder what evils they may have to face. And if I'm honest, thinking about it makes me a little afraid. I, I, I do not want my children to face violence or persecution. I do not want them to be hurt. But as it turns out, my role as a parent is not to save my children from all harm. It is to teach them how to live courageously in a world full of evil, to teach them how to be good even when it hurts. If we all go our about our lives thinking that being good is easy, that truth and beauty are just things we can take for granted, we will crumple in the face of the world's evils. What does any of this end time stuff have to do with today's selection from Second Thessalonians? Um, 
what we hear in that passage, it's, it's, a, it's a condemnation against idleness and laziness. And this is taken by many people today as a, a warrant for self-reliance and hard work. Uh, true enough in itself. But, but the context here is not just a bunch of lazy people depending on the work of others. What immediately precedes this passage in the letter is Paul's instruction about the end times, about the apocalyptic second coming of the Lord. Now, it seems that some of the Thessalonians, eagerly expecting that decisive end of history, they had stopped going on with their lives in order to just wait. But what Paul tells them is this, even if the Lord comes tomorrow, you are still responsible for today. Remember, the world has already ended. History has already reached its decisive low point, its point of no return, and the cross of Jesus Christ. And this is exactly why St. Paul can be so unconcerned with the coming apocalypse. Yes, death is coming, judgment is coming, heaven and hell are coming, all temporal things will have their end, but we already know what that ending looks like. The triumph of life over death, the restoration of all things in Christ. In God's economy, you see, nothing is wasted, not even death. Death is used to defeat itself, to take away the sting from sin and sickness and evil, to heal the element of tragedy infusing all human work. And if death is not wasted in the economy of God, surely we can think with St. Paul that our work is always necessary and valuable, not because God needs it to bring about his eternal kingdom, but because he has given us the privilege of being heirs and, and co-workers in that kingdom because his, he promises us that our labor will never be in the final account in vain. That work that we have to do is not just the ordinary work of living, but also the spiritual work of repentance, in which even our sins become fuel for the fire of the Lord's forge, where he molds us and shapes us anew. We live in the end times. Sin and death are real, but so is salvation. Be not afraid, as St. John Paul II was so fond of telling us. Be not afraid to work, come what may, tomorrow. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Stolen Maniple podcast. For more information on our church and upcoming events, please visit Augustine of Canterbury.org. And don't forget to subscribe to hear future episodes.